As we continue our series, Walk with God, a look at Abram, Abraham's life. Today we're in Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. So if you have your iPad or phone or Bible or um, whatever you have, grab it and turn with me to chapter 17 of Genesis Have you ever needed a reminder? Not not like your iPhone going off telling you to go to an appointment. Not a to-do list like don't forget to fix the dryer, which I was doing yesterday. Not 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 a reminder to do something, but a reminder of something that you are. Whose you are. I've, I've had that quite a bit. Over the last 36 years of ministry, I've always had down times. Lots and lots of up times. Top of the mountain experiences. Camps, retreats, and student ministry. Crusades, revival. People that you've invested in. The light bulb finally turns on after four years of praying for them and talking to them and the light bulb comes on and their life has changed. All kinds of mountaintop experiences. But there are times in my ministry that I've had to step back and go be alone and talk to God about why, remind me again why I'm doing this. (laughs) An experience of struggle, an experience of The light bulb turning on a little bit brighter in my head of God called me to do something. Feeling I had at Camp High Lake years ago when I was 17. A reminder to go back to that, that God has this. I believe that's where Abram is this morning. We talked last week about some of the messes that he got into because of things he was trying to do. Him and Sarah were coming together, trying to uh, take over and decide that they were going to have a better plan to fulfill God's covenant with them, a commitment, a promise. And they messed it up. And we find ourselves today in chapter 17. Abram is 99 years old. Sarah is 89, respectively. The initial promise of God was 24 years old. 24 years old in the making. Most of us can't even wait 24 minutes. We struggle with 24 days. 24 years in the making when Sarah and Abram took into their own hands, born of Hagar, their son Ishmael, now 13 years old. Follow with me in verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God Almighty. Live, some translations walk, In my presence and be blameless. I'll set up my covenant between you and me and I will multiply you greatly. 
Then Abram fell face down and God spoke with him. As for me, here is my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I'll make you the father of many nations. I'll make you extremely fruitful. And with my nations and kings come from you. I'll confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations. It's a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you reside today, all the land of Canaan, as a permanent possession. I will be their God. Point number one, God will always be faithful to his word. There's a lot happening in these first eight verses. Several things to talk about. He's reminding Abram that he hasn't left him. He doesn't plan to. Abram, throughout this part of scripture, is kind of trying to figure out what was God saying and what did God mean. And he was trying to make it from a human perspective. And God never planned to leave him. God's renewing his promises to make it official with a covenant. God is foretelling the full value of this covenant, that your family will become nations. From your family will become kings. God sets the tone for what's to come by changing Abraham's name. Was Abram exalted father to Abraham, father of multitudes? God also changed Sarah's name in the same verse as well and described a little more detail next chapter in verse 18. Sarah's quarrelsome princess to Sarah, princess, source of kings and nations. This is also a permanent covenant with Abram. It's going to outlast him, outlive him. It's a commitment to the plan by God. This is God's covenant. It's not Abraham's covenant. How encouraging that these promises last longer than our lifetimes. This is God's covenant. In fact, this entire chapter is not about Abraham. This entire chapter is about God. God's covenant and his plan for his people and with his people. Verse 9. God also said to Abram, Abraham, now, as for you, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations are to keep my covenant. This is my covenant between you and me and your offspring after you, which you are to keep. Every one of the males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between you and me. Translation in some of your um, scripture is the you being plural. Verse 12. Throughout your generations, every male among you is to be circumcised at eight days old. 
every male born in your household or purchased from any foreigner and not from your offspring. Whether born in your household or purchased, he must be circumcised. My covenant will be marked in your flesh as a permanent covenant. Verse 14, if any male is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Point number two, Abraham had the mark of God's covenant. Here are several things that we can learn from this. God intends to keep his covenant and expects us to keep the covenant with him. Again, this is God's covenant. This is not our covenant that we came up with. That every male be circumcised, blood, family, or purchase in servants. In verse 13, whether born of household or purchase, he must be circumcised. My covenant will be marked in your flesh as a permanent covenant. Circumcision was way more than just a requirement. It was an identifier that I'm a descendant of Abraham. It was a promise that I will follow the ways of the Lord. It was proof that I am with God, a believer of Yahweh, the one true God. What's our mark of today? It's the blood of Jesus, the new covenant with Jesus. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it and remember of me. Just one drop of Jesus' blood on Calvary would have sealed the covenant that God had given through his son Jesus. But he didn't spill one drop, he spilled it all. For you and me. One drop would have been enough to seal the covenant, but he spilled it all. Today we have the same mark on our life. If you've invited Jesus into your life, the inward mark, our heart, where Jesus resides, if he is there, he convicts. The Holy Spirit is there. Jesus, God, all three in one. Live in and through each believer today. An outward mark is baptism. Have you announced to the world that you belong to Jesus? The outward mark of testimony, the most powerful part of the gospel. Raised to walk in a new life after you're buried in Christ. Does Jesus have your heart? Have you been in a contract relationship with him instead of a covenant? I purposely did not say the name of the message that we were deciding to call this. But it's basically, are you in a contract or a covenant relationship with God? I purposely didn't say it till right now. Because of two things. One is to describe what a contract and a covenant is and, and the differences. The other is 
This is a decision that you make as an individual. This decision is something that no one can make for you. It's why it's so important to take the step, and we talk about this a lot. It's, it, it's all over the New Testament. The opportunity for you to place your faith in God through Jesus Christ. The reason why it's through Jesus Christ, no man comes to the Father but by me, is said in the New Testament. But it's also the new covenant is in the blood of Jesus. That's why it's said that way. So it's by faith that we place ourselves in that new covenant. It's also by faith that we're justified. We're justified through faith. We're not justified because we checked a box. So when we place our faith because we've decided to do it and no one else has decided for me, that we can step into a covenant relationship with God and not a contract. You see, with a contract, if anyone's agreeing, if two parties are agreeing and any one party does something to violate the contract, then it's considered broken. The whole contract becomes null and void. Basically, the signers of the contract agree to hold their ends as long as the other signatories hold theirs too. The contract, am I treating God like a contract today? When Jesus fails you, do you feel like you have an out? Does it feel like God failed you? Notice words are important. When Jesus doesn't do as you wish, do you feel like you can void the contract? God's the only one with something to lose. That would be you and me. For the record, God is not in a contract relationship with anyone. Never has, never will be. With a covenant, both parties agree to hold up their ends, regardless of whether the party keeps their part of the agreement. A violation of the covenant by one party doesn't matter as far as the other party's responsibility to continue to do what they have agreed to do. You see, our relationship with Christ, with God, is a covenant relationship. Started a long time ago, and how that covenant got put in place is different along the way. But it's all part of redemption, the story of redemption that God placed in our path. And yes, he chose you. And yes, you chose him. It's the argument of predestination. Predestination is in scripture. So is free will. Our little minds have a hard time with that, or at least my little mind does. <laughs> Struggle with, wait a minute, you chose me, I chose you. Uh, which one is it? Is it? It's both. Scripture tells, it, I have a thousand questions when I get to heaven. 
And that's one of them. I wrote down in the front of, I'm on my fifth Bible now, and I wrote all these questions down. That's one of them. Like, explain that to me in a little bit more detail. But they're both there. Have you experienced the covenant relationship with God? Grace, forgiveness, love, salvation, second chances, blessings, community, fellowship. We could go on and on and on. The blessings and benefits of a covenant with God. I believe from this text, Abraham already felt the benefits of this relationship. The promises of God are 25, 24 years old, and he's been living in, this, in, this, in these promises. It's also totally confusing to him. Verse 17 of chapter 17, Abraham fell face down. Then he laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a ninety-year-old woman, give birth? So Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael were acceptable to you. In some of your translations, it says alive to you. Verse 19. But God said no. Your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as a permanent covenant for his future offspring. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. I will certainly bless him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him greatly. He will father 12 tribal leaders and I will make him into a great nation. But I will confirm my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. When he finished talking with him, God withdrew from Abraham. The a Bible note there is that it, when he went away or he ascended from Abraham, your, your translation may say. Point number three. God is not afraid to put his name on the line. For 24 years, Abraham has known about God's promises. He's tried to figure it out, not stepping aside of the God's authority or God's power, but trying to figure out himself, what did he mean? And maybe I need to figure it out and make it happen. Forgetting about the faithfulness and love for his people. God's put his reputation on the line with name changes. No longer Abram and Sarah, Sarai, it's now Abraham and Sarah. Put a timetable on delivering these promises. This time next year, Scripture tells us. Can God give a son to a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman? The redneck in me wants to, I'm picturing God going, you don't think I can do this? Watch this. Watch what I can do. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make the even in the time in the day, circumcision of of his family, circumcision was known. It wasn't a new thing. 
women, Justin described last week, women, part of their um, contribution to the family was bearing children. And part of that was Sarah is feeling like she's not getting totally there. And Abraham's trying to figure out, so what did God mean when he told me that? And the older we're getting, we're not going to be able to do this. And now that they're a hundred, I don't think this is going to happen. God comes back with the reminder that watch this. I told you what was going to happen and it's going to happen. What about Ishmael? God's grace took care of Abram's mistakes and Ishmael did receive a blessing from God. But Isaac was the covenant. God's not done taking care of his people. A heavy subject here. And him putting his reputation on the line. I want to make sure that we're clear on a couple of things. One is this is a story about God. This is a story of God's faithfulness to us. Not a story about Abraham. Abraham's in the story. He's one of the lead roles. And the things that he goes through is a part of the lead plot. But this is about the covenant with God, with his people and his family. A few dangers to to mention here I want to um, bring up. Don't worship the covenant of circumcision and or baptism. We worship the God who made the covenant. The worship is with God. The new covenant is with Jesus. Both of these are marks of a believer and an identifier that I'm with God. Number two, don't equate circumcision and baptism. There are some similarities there. Neither will save you. It's a mark of God's people. It's a mark today we witnessed with Maddie of something that's happened to us on the inside of our heart that it's an outward expression of what's happened to us on the inside that we were buried with Christ. We're no longer ourselves. I'm identified in a new way. Circumcision was the same way. It was a physical mark. But they're not the same. The New Testament's full of salvation through the new covenant of Jesus. The Old Testament is about the circumcision marked with the family of Abraham and Sarah. Baptism is the first step of obedience to God after you've chosen to walk with God, invited him into your life. That's why I said earlier, it's a decision that you have to make. If I could make that decision for you, I would, I would do it today. Let's make sure that everybody in here is going to be saved. And I'm going to, we're going to baptize everybody by closing the doors and we're going to like fill this whole thing up with water and, or fire hose. I don't know, but, but I can't. All I can do, any speaker is going to stand up here and beg of you to deny yourself and follow Christ. And the reason why it's said that way is because this is not about you. This is about God. And you have to get yourself out of the way before God 
can work through you. A decision that you have to make and no one can make it for you. There's a word in this passage that's used several times in the original text. It's called hesed. H-E-S-E-D. Hesed. It's faithful love that God has called us into a covenant relationship. A, A relationship that he never intended to break. He never for one moment intended to let up on. It's full on forever. In the world of social media, he's not going to unfriend you. (laughs) He's not going to unfollow. I've been calling out to him and I just checked and now I'm not a friend anymore. (laughs) What happened? No. That is not at all what's happening. He will never leave you. Never break a promise. In fact, the word actually described and why I think this is so important to us today is because when we fail, sometimes we blame that on God. Sometimes we're fearful of when we fail, we come to God and he's meeting us with fists. Because of the covenant relationship, the blessings that God has promised me, that he has, he's going to meet us with the fist of resistance. This word means open arms. It's something that's hard to identify with because this world is so full of sin and all that comes with the sin. This is about faithful love. It's the prodigal son. The story about the father. Open arms that we find God with open arms arms what a powerful reminder of faith that is justified through that faith that we can live in a covenant relationship God will always be faithful God wants us to be in a covenant relationship with us And he's willing to put it all on the line every second, minute, hour, day. I started this message with who you are, not what you do. Because this is not about what you do. We have a fallen nature. And this is about who you are and whose you are. Today, I think people in this room are hurting. People are confused. We find ourselves looking for an answer, making promises to God that we throw a fleece out or something that we do to try to figure out what is it that God wants us to do. The truth is, God don't want you to do anything except follow him. He lights your path. 
the minute you think, where did God go? You begin to realize God never went anywhere. I did. Maybe you found yourself before in that way. Many of us hurt for a hundred different reasons. We feel let down. We feel isolated. When grace through God can bring community and fellowship, that you're never alone. The things that Satan does to lie to us, and we buy the lie all the time. We keep buying the lie. And then we come back and realize that God was there the whole time, carrying us. Sometimes unexplainable. Sometimes it's even hard to understand exactly how did we get to where we were. The choices that we made got us there. We begin to try to figure it out ourselves like Abram did and just made a mess. And how in the world are we going to get back in a relationship with Christ? Because the, I hear it all the time. Man, I need, to, I need to stop doing this. Then I'll come to church. That's not the message of Jesus. In fact, when you come to Jesus, you come just like you are. You can't change anything. Because if you did, you're making the mess worse. Then when you're in a relationship with, with Christ, you're a new creature in a covenant relationship. Our church is a covenant church. Those of you who have gone through Starting Point have heard this. We're in a covenant relationship. We call ministry partners. It's not a member like you have dues to pay. <laughs> it's a ministry partnership because it's a covenant relationship. To mark that covenant relationship with our ministry partners and the church is built of ministry partners. It's not a building. A church is you and me. We changed our name. We have a new vision for our church. We're taking Jesus to Mount Juliet, Hermitage, Donaldson, putting churches in communities that are smaller, that are identified closer to the people who live there. And we're not on God's timetable. I mean, I'm sorry, we are on God's timetable. We're not on our own. Whew. <laughs> Strike that from the, no. We are on God's timetable. We're not on our own because our own bills, goals, and objectives that we're trying to meet, and when they, then we, we like slide and tilt based on what those goal, goals and objectives are, and we try to do the things that God is leading us to do. That's, that's the only way we know how to do it. But the goal in the covenant is Jesus Taking Jesus. I'm, I'll talk about it as much as I possibly can up here. What is, like, are you praying that God would put someone in your path this week? It's not to carry the message of a church. It's to carry the message of Jesus to people. 
It, this is about God. This is not about Abraham. It's not about you. It's not about me. What are we doing to carry that message? Do we make it clear? Our story matters. If it involves Jesus, our story matters. The excitement of marking a believer is because of the covenant that God has with each of us if you're a believer. A covenant that's not broken if one party fails because we're going to fail. We're going to fall. And when we get back up and we work our way back to God, we find him there already with open arms. Not with fist. I told you you didn't. That, that's not the message of Genesis 17. Hesed. And you are required to be the same thing to someone else. It's genuine, faithful love. No strings attached. When you carry the message of Jesus, you don't just carry the message of, if you'll just straighten up your life, God will use you. No, that's not the message. God can use you if you've messed up, but that's because of God, not because of you. The power of God and his authority. With our church, if that interests you, join us in that. Join us in carrying that message. You don't have to be empowered to do it. You have a covenant with God to do it. This is a decision, a decision you make for yourself. No one can make it for you. Your kids, your mom or your dad, grandparents, they all play a role in the story of God in your life. But that story is about you making a decision.